Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 704 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we'll be chatting with Mike Darbo of Manfred Mann all about the sensational 60s experience. It's the Grand Theatre in May, and now is your time to get tickets. That will make a great Christmas gift. We'll be talking to Treedom as well. They've got some great Christmas gifts on offer. And you can also find out about how we're eating less meat this Christmas and being a little bit more environmentally friendly. Jay Quickenden is along to help us through these difficult times at Christmas and talking about how grief can really hit people hard at this time of year. We'll be finding out about mushrooms from Mama's Mushroom Cottage and how tinctures can help improve your health. On top of that, we'll be finding out from the team at More Than about some of the dangers of the festive foods we have around our homes, which could cause a problem for our pets. And Neil Curtis will be along to let us know about his advent calendar for 2022. That's all on the way on the show this week. Mama's cottage mushrooms have various ways of improving your world through the magic of fungi. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Kate and Matty Schenk. Good afternoon. Hello. Now, I bumped into you at a Christmas fair and uh, saw some amazing stuff and, and some interesting tales to tell. So first of all, give us a bit of background as to how you came to the world of mushrooms. So we, the business has only been going for a year, um, but Matty and I have um, a background of working with fungi and plant medicine um, for quite some time. So it all started off really when we grew our own lion's mane. Um, we grew it fresh and we, we shared it within the community and it got sold out within 24 hours. And then we had an excess of fresh lion's mane, which is amazing for the brain and uh, we turned it into a tincture so it was mainly to help Matty's dad to begin with yeah my dad was getting a little forgetful repeating himself so it was you know time to help him and then just lion's mane appeared in our lives you know the universe sent it to us to help him yeah and I mean there are huge numbers of, of products that grow out there in the wild that either have been over the years used to help in, in medicine or then get turned into drugs that get used by pharmaceuticals so this is nothing unusual there and we all know that willow root used to be the way to cure a headache until we got that little bit out of it the acid that is the aspirin and then that turned into oh, a world-renowned yeah, painkiller right. Yeah, it, it is uh, all sorts of things like this. So uh, mushrooms themselves, though, obviously, if we talk about mushrooms, we often get to the the, the, the magic variety. Uh, but this isn't where we're going here, is it? That's not the work that you do. No, no, no. It may be in a couple of years when they legalise it. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> right but, <laughs> so uh, when it comes down to the tinctures that you produce, uh, how do you know which ones are, are treating what? Is it uh, going back over the years and, uh, and and seeing what these these natural alternative medicines uh, have been used for previously? So the way that we make our medicine is um, we make it all by hand. So we both work very spiritually and energetically with each individual mushroom. So we we sit and we make friends with a mushroom. I know that sounds a bit funny, um, but we get to know the mushrooms individually and what their properties are and how they can help our customers. And then once we've learned all that and work with it ourselves, then we, we make the tinctures, we make them by hand. We don't use machines. We use ritual, we use ceremony, we use energy infused into each of the bottles. Matty is very much the wizard when 
making the tinctures. <laughs> it's kind of cooking for health. So when, when you start cooking them and you start introducing that heat, we're, we're going to start losing a lot of the compounds that are in the mushrooms. Mm. They're very delicate things. So it's, it's more of a, an alchemical process we go through. So we, we, we use, um, well, in, in alchemy, we call it mercury, but in, in our normal world, we call it alcohol. But uh, alcohol in alchemy is used as a tool, as an extraction tool, because of its uh, acidic values. So that allows us to break cell walls down in uh, a plant, um, a fungus, uh, root bark to get to them active compounds and then pull them out into that liquid. Yeah, it did act as a solvent to, to most things and uh, yeah, organic molecules coming together. And they say, uh, this is a, a, a natural way of looking at treating a number of things. And mushrooms are, are well renowned for the likes of their ability to provide some vitamin D. So it, it kind of makes sense that they're going to be a source of many other things, as we know uh, that uh, you know, they obviously do have an impact on our, our mind and our psychology. Yeah, very much so. With the, with the vitamin D side of things, all you need to do, just, just leave your mushrooms out in the sun for half an hour before, before you start cooking with them and they will absorb so much vitamin D. We don't, we don't um, eat meat and one of the mushroom tinctures that we make is shiitake. Now shiitake is really high in B vitamins, especially B12s, and so we use all the tinctures ourselves. But I noticed a considerable difference when I started using shiitake because I don't eat meat. And then come like the afternoons, I tend to found that I had a bit of an energy slump. And so I started taking shiitake and that's completely obliterated the energy slump I have. And I didn't realize that particularly with doing what we do, we're always on the go. You know, we've got two young children as well. We're working from home, we're running the business and um, we don't always tend to eat as well as we should do, particularly when we're doing shows and events and festivals. So then by taking the shiitake, the energy was at more of a constant level. So I didn't realize I was actually becoming B12 deficient from not eating properly and always being on the go. So shiitake is great for anyone who is vegetarian or vegan or needs to have a constant energy, just as an example of one of the benefits of mushrooms can bring for people. Even uh, shiitake is from um, buying them from the supermarket or from your um, farm shops as well. Like Matty said, put them outside in the sunshine for a little bit infuse some more um, B, B, uh, vitamin D in it and then it enhances the B vitamins in there as well. And not only do these things have an impact on, on your life, say B12, using that from uh, your one of your tinctures would be a much better way for treating yourself than taking an energy drink, wouldn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we've also been working with um, Amanita as well, which is a fly agaric. It's that fairytale toadstool, the red one with the white dots on there. Um, we've just come to the end of the season. I don't like it when it gets frosty and, and, and wet. But it's an amazing painkiller. We've had a lot of customers who've been in a lot of pain and to use it topically um, to put onto the skin, it's, it's relieving a lot of pain for people. So again, you're going down the natural route rather than using paracetamol or aspirin or, or whatever, you know, over-the-counter tablets you can buy by using Amanita um, to put onto your skin topically is going to reduce the pain quite considerably. And you're not going to build a tolerance up to it like opioids. But equally, all of this, you need to know exactly what you're doing. So this is where the research and the work that you've done comes in. Because right, normally, brightly coloured mushrooms are to be avoided. <laughs> it is, you know, it, it's 
it's using common sense. There's been a lot of fear factors. I mean, we've experienced people physically move away from our stall. I mean, you saw our stall and people, have, when they realize what it is that we do, have physically moved away because there's still that fear attached to mushrooms. And it's through society of don't touch, don't eat, it's poisonous, but it, it, they, they can be, but you wouldn't go and eat a raw chicken. So it's having that knowledge of how to process things so you know it's going to be safe for human consumption. Um, so with the Amanita, it's all about education. And a big part of what we actually do is educating people, is explaining how things work and about how we use our tinctures and how we process them as well. So it is safe to use. And part of what we do is, um, is doing mushroom ID. We've got a couple of people on board in our community who are foragers, so that's what they do. So if it's not ourselves, we've got foragers who do help with identifying mushrooms with people who want to learn more about the fungi world. Yeah, but it is absolutely essential you know what you have if you're using it in any way at all. And if, if you if you don't absolutely. know, don't go there. And, and this is where having absolutely. a pre-prepared tincture where experts have checked into it, is the only way to, uh, to 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 use these things uh, safely, and you say we, no one should be put at risk. Do not eat something you found and you do not know what it is. No, of course, of course. I mean, always take you can take photographs. You can send them into us. We'll happily ID them for you. But don't rely on. Uh, we never suggest people use the apps, the ID apps on your telephone. Um, you know, people have become seriously overusing yeah. those apps. The good way is going back to referring back to professional foragers refer to a number of books and like you said if you are any doubt do not touch it do not eat it don't cook it because there are very many lookalikes out there in the world um that we 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 don't advocate people just to go out and pick and uh just for the fun of it they need to be 100 sure what it is that they're picking and whilst you also got foragers i assume you farm some of your mushrooms as well yeah we do we grow lion's mane as lion's mane is endangered so we, we have to we have to farm that we have, um, we have grow tents where we create controlled environments so we also grow uh oysters reishi uh shiitake and there'll be more coming as well so if you take take reishi reishi is native to asia so we have to create that that climate so 24 degrees plus uh, really high humidity for them to flourish so i'm going to guess your airing cupboard is an interesting place to go and visit <laughs> It used to be the airing cupboard, now it's a whole garage. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you guys working out of Church Stretton, I mean, you're an amazing local company doing some absolutely brilliant things. So where can we go to find out more about what you do? And of course, how, if you are looking at mushrooms as an addition to your diet, whether it's for your B12s or looking at some of their other properties, which you're, you're extolling the virtues of, where can we go to? The main thing is to go to our website, which is www.mummerscottagemushrooms.org. Uh, we are on the social media as well, but the website is the first place to go to. We also have a great community over in the Telegram group as well. It's very interactive. We've got some amazing people in there um, who share their experiences, share their knowledge as well. It's, it's, um, it's a lovely place to communicate in there as well. But the first portal call would definitely be the website. We've got loads of information on there. You can contact us through email through there as well. So at mamascottagemushrooms.org, M-A-M-A-S, cottagemushrooms.org. And you can have a chat with Matty and Kate and see what it is they're up to and find out what a tincture is, if that's something you've never heard of before too. Have a brilliant <laughs> Christmas both and uh, look forward to speaking to you in the new year. Thank, Thank you, my friend. Thank you very friends. much. Take care. <laughs>
On the 14th of May, 2023, the sensational 60s experiences at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. It'll include Manfred Mann's Mike Darbo, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello, dear Jason. How nice to speak with you. Do you know, we're talking about something that is several months away, so I hope we all survive and get through this horrid cold winter and a fit and fancy by the time the 14th of May comes. Fingers crossed. And uh, it would be a shame not to get there in all its glory because it's going to be an amazing night of music once more, isn't it? it well, it, it should be amazing. If you look at the lineup and the hits that we've manufactured between us, it's going to be a good night out. You're absolutely right because I've got my diary. I've got my December 22 diary and I've got my... <laughs> my 2023 diary in front of me. By the time we get to Wolverhampton Grand Theatre on the 14th of May, we will have been on the road since the 10th, no, the 11th of of March. Um, Now, I know that it's still many months off, depending on when you decide to run this little (laughs) piece, but, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I started joining Manfred Mann in 1966, and my predecessor was a very well-known singer, a bit of a blues man, Mm -hmm. uh, who for 32 years fronted uh, BBC Radio 2's blues program, Paul Jones. So that was the big turning point in my life, and I remember it very well to this day, because I was in a little-known band. We're probably not going to make it as a band, but I knew I had some musical potential in me. I had a lot of drive. I was in love with the music business, especially the Beatles. Mm. This was about 1965, uh, maybe even early 66. I can't remember. And um, we were doing a television show promoting our new record, which was a song I'd written, And I was not the lead singer, I was the keyboard player, but on this occasion the band said, Mike, you you, you sing this song pretty well, it's your song, you better sing it. So on this particular show we did, which happened to feature Manfred Mann as well, Mm -hmm. when they arrived in the studio, they saw the playback that we'd just done of our song, Accept My Invitation, and it was a close-up of me singing my little bollocks off, heart and soul, smiling away. And I didn't know it, but Paul Jones had given in his notice and said he wanted a solo career. So they were on the lookout for the new lead singer, and they all nudged one another. Apparently, I didn't know this, mm-hmm. said, look, this guy should be worth, uh, could be worth considering. So Manfred Mann, who was the sort of, more or less, you could say, the leader of the the band then, Um, he came up, got my phone number, and within a few days he rang me. And within a few days of that, we had a lunch where Tom McGuinness and Manfred and Mike Hugg, the three original other members of the band, and their respective wives, we all had lunch in London, and, and the wives, I think, were there to check me out, to look me up and down and give their verdict on me. And by the end of the lunch... They said, you know, I said, what's what's this lunch all about? I didn't know. Uh, but it, it became apparent that they wanted, I was under consideration. I was a contender. So to cut a long story short, I got the job, but they'd come off a number one called Pretty Flamingo in 1966. 
The first number one was Do Our Diddy in 1964. The first hit had been the Ready Steady Go theme tune, 54321. And suddenly I was in the limelight from nowhere, you could say, and we had seven top ten hits after that, which meant that I was doing my job, not always singing the songs I wanted to sing, but my job was to keep them in the charts, and I suppose we did that. So all these years later, here we are in 2022 or so, and we're all rocking on a bit, but I'm still a member of a group that we now call the Manfreds with Paul Jones and myself. We do that. In fact, we're going to be touring later in the year. But for this show, I'm on my own. Mike Darbo, uh, uh, lead singer or former lead singer of Manfred Man. And apart from the hits that I sang, I'll be singing a few of the hits that I wrote, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, there's the four tunes. We've got uh, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch. Not Dave D, my great friend Dave D, he died about 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. they're carrying on the tradition. And uh, we've got the, the great band from that Mersey era of the Beatles, the Swinging Blue Jeans. And the, normally we would have the Trems, which is basically the Tremolos. Though a little spy tells me, I'm looking at my diary, I'm told that the Trems may not be there that night. I don't know why. Maybe they had a prior booking to be in Germany or somewhere. Mm -hmm. But certainly, amongst the the Blue Jeans and the Fortunes, myself, Mike Panda, and the Dozies, you will get probably 25 to 30 hit songs from 1960... Ooh, let's go back. From 1964 to 1969. So that's not... Bad for those who were around in those years. For those who weren't, they can relive the 60s that they never experienced first time around. So it's going to be a good night out. Absolutely. I mean, the music itself is something that I've loved throughout my life. I'm I'm 50, so I don't. I, I was wasn't even born when the 60s ended. You're a mere youngster. It, it doesn't feel it some mornings. I tell you that much. But it is a great, great sound. And, I mean, the basis of, of all pop, rock, indie rock, everything else to this day. Actually, you're right. But I'll tell you another thing that I forgot to mention Vanity Fair. Now, they'll be my backing band. They've had hits in the late 60s. Um, well, certainly two or three. Though suddenly I can't actually say the names. Oh, Hitching a Ride. That was yeah, a good one, yeah. Hitching a Ride. When it's early in the morning, very, very early, without warning. So they'll be backing me and playing all the, the hits, obviously, you know, as authentically as we can. And it was a golden era because it was a simple technological age. You know, we'd only recorded our stuff on four track. It's a different world today. There's much more diverse choices in the media, and it's now social media. Back then, we only had two, I think, or maybe three TV channels, and it was a simpler world, but we believed in love, peace, and hope, and uh, unfortunately, that dream died mid-70s, But um, and it's a very sad world we live in now compared with the world I remember growing up, but we will put some joy into everyone's hearts uh, that night, I can tell you. Well, I'm... I'm- 
I know it's going to be an awesome night. The sensational Sixers experience always wows. The fact the lineup changes a little bit each time round as well keeps it different for absolutely everyone who just keeps coming back. Amazing music, brilliant hits, and a fantastic night at the Grand. GrandTheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. 01902 429212, the box office number. They would make a fantastic Christmas gift, I can tell you that much. But uh, it's going to be uh, a, a great night of music. And have you got one favourite song from the Manfred Days that you'll be sharing? I actually haven't so far mentioned my songs. I, obviously, the Manfred hits, I'll do at least four or five of them, but I'll sing my two hits that I wrote, Handbags and Glad Rags. I'll, I'll play the piano and sing that, as I did on the, the original Rod Stewart recording. And, of course, more recently, the Stereophonics revived that. Mm-hmm. Uh, bless them. And Kelly Jones told me that he, he he bought a Rod Stewart album and never got beyond track one, which was Handbags and Glad Rags, <laughs> which I produced as Rod Stewart's producer back in 1968 or 69, I forget which. And the other song I'll do, which was a number one hit around the world, which I wrote, was a song called Build Me Up Buttercup. Uh, the Foundations recorded that. I played on that and sang on the backing vocals. That was, again, 1969. So you get two hits of Darbo. You get the the Manfred Man hits and the Darbo-inspired hits. That uh, um, and that that will be um, that will be my show. Probably seven or eight songs, and then I'll hand over to somebody else and hope to be around. <laughs> We're still a few months away, but I'll be um, looking forward to this tour. Because by the end of the year, I'll be doing another tour with the Manfreds, which will obviously be our 60th anniversary tour. And that's playing with all the original Manfreds, with the exception of Manfred Mann, who doesn't uh, perform with us anymore. So, Jason, I've taken up quite enough of your time. <laughs> you can never take up enough of our time. You're an amazing star from uh, a wonderful era of music that just keeps on giving. Uh, Mike Darbo, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great time at the Grand on the 14th of May with a sensational experience. And enjoy Christmas and the New Year too. And you too. It's been my pleasure. Bye-bye, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> Grief has this habit of sneaking up on all of us at many times of year, but Christmas is even more difficult. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Michelle Monaghan of the Carp, one of their funeral director team, and Jake Quickenden, who has lost two members of his family in his young years and suffers each year due to the this, this scenario around Christmas and that time of loss. Good afternoon to you both. Hi, mate. You okay? First of all, I mean, Jake, uh, I mean, I know it's been probably what 12 years since I think you'd lost your dad and a few years after that you lost your brother both to bone cancer and the shock of losing someone like that in particular when it was unexpected uh would have been absolute hell for the whole family and it, it, it this is something which which doesn't go away isn't it yeah I think grief such a weird emotion because like you said it can creep up at any moment um a conversation with somebody can bring back a memory that then makes you feel sometimes upset, but sometimes happy. Um, my grief in the kind of 13 years has changed a lot. I think for the first few years, it was always sadness that I felt. Um, and I had to kind of find a way to deal with that. And whether it was talking to friends or family or going to a charity to kind of get that support. Um, but now when I look back and I talk about my, my dad and my brother, I often find myself smiling. 
Um, I have my down days, like everybody who's been through grief, um, they'll be, they'll know that these down days often come without any hesitation uh, and they can come out of the blue. But I do find myself now when I look back on, on my dad and my brother, I find myself smiling a lot um, and I find myself remembering really happy moments. Um, and by me sharing my story with people and, and letting them know that grief can affect you in many ways, I'm hoping that it'll just start a conversation. Uh, and the more we talk about our feelings and our emotions, the, the easier they are to process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I want to do today to let people know that there is help out there. Yeah, I mean, Michelle, obviously, when somebody goes through a, a period of grief, um, I, I, it, it's the point at which the calls from friends and family stop coming to check on you that actually it can start to bite more and, and, and change its own way. And uh, I mean, I've talked about with, with my listeners the fact that uh, I lost my mom back in October of this year, and that was just under 12 months since I'd lost my dad. Uh, so this is my first Christmas without either of them. And it's not an easy time. It's not. And, you know, my sincere um, thoughts are with you over, over Christmas. It is difficult. And, you know, when it is a time that people are getting together, I think that loss can become even more prominent to you because they're not sat at the table on Christmas Day and, and things like that. But there are things that you can do to, you know, remember your loved one in a way. So light a candle, have a moment of reflection. But one of the things we're trying to do at Co-op and, you know, linking in with Cruise, the charity and, and people like Jake is open up conversations about what we call aftercare. And that's really being there for people after the day of the funeral. So, as you said, you know, in the immediate time, quite often people get phone calls, they'll get cards, they'll, they'll know those thoughts are there. And then people are frightened sometimes of reminding them. So they don't necessarily talk about it. But as Jake mentioned, you're never going to forget that that person has died. And if you can open up a conversation with somebody, you're remembering that they lived and that they were important to that person. Mm-hmm. And it's through that remembering and you know those times that you've had and looking back on those Christmases which were joyous times with them that can can make the difference and, and Jake I mean you talked about you know the, the the period over over time which this has changed it's those lost chances as well and those missed Christmases and I suppose always thinking back how they would have felt about the success that someone like yourself has had yeah um I've had my moments where I've sat and I've sat and cried because um it makes me emotional just thinking about it now thinking that my dad never really got to see me do any of those amazing things that I've done and my little brother never had that time to take the mick out of me for maybe doing the X Factor and getting voted out so soon and <laughs> stuff like that and and they're the, the memories that they do they do fill me with a bit of sadness but I also think you know what everything I'm doing now I'm doing for them um, and every, every, every kind of new memory I make in a way I feel like they they can they can still see it and they can still be involved in that memory and now I've got my own family um you can be so happy in your own self and then all of a sudden you can be full of emotion that you can't share these memories anymore with the the people that are closest to you yeah difficult times and and something like the national grief that we've seen uh following the passing of Her Majesty the Queen this year Michelle I assume that this is something which is also been uh, part (coughs) of 
the, uh, the the time that people are grieving over their own families and something that uh, the co-op and, and the charity would have also picked up on too. It is. I mean, part of our research, um, we actually found out that 37% of people who were grieving found some form of comfort in grieving as a nation for the Queen. Um, and I think that was even more poignant because it's all in our very short memory about how she grieved in a very solitary way for her husband. You know, so people who had gone through that themselves in the pandemic completely could relate to um, what the Queen went through when Prince Philip passed away. And then for her to die, it was like that final, I suppose it was a final act of selflessness, really, that the nation then pulled together and mourned. And, and Jake, again, I know that you've spoken at length uh, on this on uh, a podcast in, in, in recent times. And yeah, through what you've been through, you, you've tried so much to help others. So where can we go to, first of all, hear more of your story than when you've spoken to Colleen Nolan? Um, yeah, that's um, it's on a podcast called Let's Talk About Grief, and that is available on YouTube or on Spotify if you just type that in, and you can go listen to that. And hopefully um, my story can help one person, then, then I've done my job. And Michelle, obviously, uh, you talked about the aftercare that co-op offer, and this is all part of the, the work that you do when you're helping a family say goodbye to a loved one. Where can we go for more on that and also the work that you're doing in partnership with the, the, the charity you're working with? Yeah, it is part of what we do with families that we help to look after at time of death. But I do want to make it clear as well, anyone can access the resources. You don't have to have had a co-op funeral um, and it's completely free of charge. But it's on uh, coop.co.uk forward slash bereavement help. Um, and then if you want more help with integrating into the community, because maybe that's been difficult uh, following a bereavement, there is also co-operate.co.uk, which is like an online community centre that co-op have, have pulled together. Well, thank you both for your time today. And, uh, you know, it, with the, the, having this resource out there to help people through what will be, for many, such a difficult Christmas period, I know will be uh, an absolute massive help to them. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Jason. Have a good Christmas, buddy. Take care. It is that time of year where we're all enjoying our advent calendars. Many of them are high in calories. One that is certainly low in calories is not going to cause you to put on any weight and will exercise your mind is that one put together by Neil Curtis. Once more, his Replace Clothes with Paint team have brought us an amazing piece of work and is here to tell us more. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. This is Neil. Good to see you again. And uh, 2022 is not disappointing for your fans, is it? Ah, yes. Well, 2022 was a year which uh, brought a lot of changes and a lot of uh, different approaches to, to things, you know. Uh, in 2021, uh, I wanted to work as much as possible and there was Corona and I thought, uh, yes, uh, more sessions, more people and so on. And then in 2022, you know, the... Um, the um, war in, in Ukraine started and for me as a liberal open-minded person uh, it was a very big shock you know because we I thought corona is over or kind of over and now we can focus on on new things and at some point you know I got really 
in a mood where I didn't want to do painting sessions and where I didn't want to to make uh, funny things or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I decided for myself that I want to work with uh, blue and yellow, the colors of uh, of uh, Ukraine. And I also released that video um, called The Guy from Odessa. And that was for me a very important turning point. Um, yeah. And then this you know, goes into the advent calendar this year, where it is something which normally only your patrons will see. So if somebody who has subscribed would normally get to see the whole of the video. Each year you've been giving us something which is a, a flavor of what you do and the patrons can see all of. And this is, I think, a, a chance really to, to explore your art in, in a different way and, and doing it in bite-sized pieces over the course of the 24 days of the run to Christmas. Uh, that is a, a whole different experience to, to actually seeing it in a 10-minute short-form video. Well, the uh, the main thing I'm working on, uh, especially on Vimeo, is replace clothes paint. And the advent calendar is some kind of tradition that I started a few years ago uh, I actually made a physical paper advent calendar, but it was too difficult to make it every year. And so I said, what what could be some kind of, of treat for my fans? And the advent calendar was my way of, um, of showing my work from a totally different point. And, you know, when I was a child or, you know, when you were a child, I'm sure you liked advent calendar, you know, you counted until 24. And uh, I wanted to do it the same way. So I, I chopped a, a very cool session into 24 pieces. And um, every every day uh, there's a, a, a window that opens or a new video part that is released. And I asked my fans or the people who want to participate uh, to retweet the, the, the calendar weekend. Actually, the person who makes the most uh, retweets will get a picture from me with autograph. And, yeah. and something a money can't buy type thing. It's, it's not something that's available out there. And so this is, again, another way of exploring your art with a unique piece. So where do people go to to find this year's Advent calendar? Yes, the Advent calendar can be found on uh, neilcurtis.com. It's my website, neilcurtis.com. And uh, you'll find links to uh, all the calendar the released calendar days yeah we still have some days to go and um yeah i'm just there and then you find links to the twitter account as well so you can check those details through enjoy the advent calendar i must say it is not safe for work and not for the broods in this world is it Yes, but Jason, let me show you some some of the photos that I will choose between one of these two pictures mm -hmm. uh, that I will give uh, as the incentive, as the winning price. And don't worry, this is safe for workplace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the same guy, and it looks like he's catching a light here. Is my, mm -hmm. <laughs> my that, that, is, that is quite However, aggressive. <laughs> yes, that's okay. Is it? Yeah, no, that looks, and, it looks good. Uh, it's the same, the same guy, and I will, uh, I will uh, decide between one of these two, or maybe even send the winner both. So do get involved, retweet and share. And if you're the most prolific of sharing Neil's work, as I say, he's going to select his winner from there. Well, Neil, always good to speak to you. Have a brilliant Christmas, an amazing New Year, and we'll catch up with what's going on in 2023. Very good. I also wish you a Merry Christmas and a, a good 2023. 20,
Data from more than insurance tells us that dog poisonings go up 80% over the Christmas period. Somebody who can help us know what we can and can't give to our dogs when it comes to festive treats is vet Luke Mandron. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Well, good to talk to you. And it is obviously a worry over Christmas because there's lots of different things around our homes which can cause problems to our pets, mince pies in particular when it comes down to dogs. Give us a bit of the background to what can cause issues at Christmas. So exactly as you said, actually, mince pies are one of the big ones. And it's it's Christmas period seems to be coincidentally the foods that we make seem to be the ones that contain the ingredients that are some of the more toxic to our dogs, unfortunately. And they're around in abundance and mince pies, Christmas puddings, uh, any fruit desserts that you have around Christmas will often contain raisins. Um, and it's quite a severe one because raisins can cause very sudden and very severe kidney failure in mm -hmm. dogs um, and there's no correlation to the number of uh, raisins that they have to have ingested for that it can be one for some dogs it can be a hundred for another there's just no way to know um, and then there's things like stuffing which you wouldn't necessarily think about but stuffing contains onions um, gravy as well can contain onions or onion extract and that can cause problems with the red blood cells of dogs where um, it, it causes them to break and therefore that causes real issues with, um, with anemia. Um, and then of course, one of the items that's around in complete abundance at Christmas is chocolate. Chocolate well, is everywhere. Yeah, we hang it from calendars. trees at Christmas and that can be very, exactly. very tempting. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, you've even got it hanging off the tree. So the thing is with chocolate is um, it varies. Dark chocolate is the more severe, and then milk chocolate, and then white chocolate the least, but white chocolate poses its own problems in the sense that it's very high in uh, sugar and fats, which can cause gastrointestinal problems for dogs in itself, and even in some dogs can uh, stimulate pancreatitis episodes, so things like that. And then you've also got uh, food items where they're not necessarily toxic to dogs, but they can cause problems in themselves. So an example would be bones. You know, there's a lot of meat around. We like to give our dogs cooked bones they can break they can choke on them um, and if they break in the intestines they can end up in emergency surgery at christmas time as well so a lot to consider yeah and that's the last thing you want and um, particularly when it comes to poultry because obviously the bones in that are much smaller gnawing on, a, on the, the bone off the beef or lamb maybe less of an issue but still a concern but when Absolutely. it comes down to turkey you need to watch what you're doing so if you are giving the dogs a treat make sure it's the bits that you're going to enjoy most as well and it's the the best cuts of the meat without any bones in so they don't have problems Absolutely, absolutely. So obviously more than uh, helping people with pet insurance and you know, when it comes to you know, looking after your pets, the, these sort of unexpected costs can be huge. So it is vitally important that you are looking after your pet and getting them covered by their insurance the same way as we're covered by the NHS. Yes, exactly. And, and pet care is private for, for, for all animals. So um, it is a cost that you incur for yourself. So it's important to, to really consider making sure you get you know the right cover for your pet, one that works for you, one that's affordable. Obviously, we're talking about a cost of living crisis at the moment as well. So you need to think about what is, <coughs> pardon me, what is best for, for you and your pet at the time. Um, and especially around Christmas time, the, the reason we're doing this is because more than has seen year on year in December, an 80% increase in toxicity cases in dogs. Um, and it's because of these food items that are around. So it's good to know that, you know, you've got your vets there, but also a good insurance policy to help you if need be. Absolutely. So we're going to settle down to Christmas dinner and maybe we're putting something in Fido's dog bowl as well. What are we going to pop in there? 
So the good thing is, is that you can actually include a lot of the regular things you would have at Christmas. So more than have put together um, five meal ideas for Christmas time. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll list off a couple of them. And the, and the main one would be the doggy equivalent Christmas dinner. So um, you're talking about roast turkey or beef or ham. Um, obviously, as you said, you want them to be lean cuts of meat where you're avoiding bones but also avoiding any of the skin or the fat because they can, as we were saying earlier, cause gastrointestinal problems of their own for the dogs. Mm -hmm. And then you can throw in vegetables. Uh, all the vegetables pretty much are, 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 are good, but the main ones we're going to focus on are carrots, swedes, Brussels sprouts, peas, and potatoes. And those potatoes can be uh, sweet potato or regular, that's fine. Um, and probably the best would be to, to do all of these as um, boiled or in some cases raw if you're doing things like carrots, but to avoid the dairy aspect. So don't be throwing in a lot of butter, don't be throwing in a lot of milk to mash them up um, because that can cause problems for the dogs. Um, and don't throw in the gravy because as we were saying before, lots of salt, lots of fat um, and can sometimes contain onion extract as well. Um, and then for something sweet, uh, we have a play on the name. It's uh, called pumpkin pie instead of pumpkin pie. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a pureed pumpkin, sweet potato, apple, carrots, um, kidney beans and toasted coconut, and then throwing in a little bit of honey as well for a bit of sweetness. Um, so if, you're, if your dog is anything like me at Christmas and you feel like you haven't had a full Christmas dinner until it ends in something sweet, it's a nice <laughs> one to finish on. Um, and then we've got Pup and Squeak, uh, uh, and we've got Eggs Corgi, which is a play on um, Eggs Royale. And then we've got um, a, a Dog Arna Split, which is a play on Banana Split, which is a, a banana... Greek yogurt um, and oats, and again, a little bit of honey um, if they want something sweet. So they can be fun things to make, to put together for your pet and making sure that you're including them still in Christmas dinner in a safe way where you're not going to have to run to the vets. Mm. On Christmas the thing is, yeah, yeah. The, and the Greek yogurt being low in fat is the reason you can get away with that, I take it. The Greek yogurt, you can use even regular Greek yogurt. The main thing is to make sure that you're not using one that has a sweetener in it. If it has an artificial sweetener, those are also toxic to dogs. So um, usually if you're going for the 0%, they might try and sweeten it with a, a xylitol product or a sweetening product. Mm -hmm. You want to avoid those. So because we're talking about a very small amount of Greek yogurt here, it's going to be uh, the regular Greek yogurt would be fine and would be safe for the dog. So but, yeah, play it safe all the time and make sure you don't put your pet at risk by trying to give them a good time at Christmas. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, try and resist the, the puppy dog eyes that they give you at the table <laughs> by them treats. You can't. That's the problem. Yeah, they know you're eating. They want to join in too. Absolutely. So uh, it's all part of it. Yeah, and, and definitely no chocolate orange. So that's that would be really yeah. bad. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so where can we go for more information on all of these recipes, courtesy of more than? So if you can go onto the More Than website, you'll find a link to keeping your dog healthy with their diet. Um, and there's a nice page, which you can probably read through in 10 minutes or so, which provides you all the information on keeping your pet happy and safe at Christmas time, uh, foods to eat, foods to avoid, um, and also a link to all these uh, food items that we've come up with, these, these meals and how to put them together. Well, Vet Luke Manjohn, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a great Christmas. Around 43% of us will be having a more environmentally friendly Christmas this year, and one in five will be ditching meat for their Christmas dinner. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Anna Weston of Freedom. Hello to you. Hello. How's it all going then, and how are your preparations for Christmas coming along? 
It's a very good question, Jason. Um, I'm terribly late at um, organising myself, so I'll get started on the 20th of December, probably. That's a good good day to start. That's it. May, may, make it work that way. But, I mean, when it comes down to what people are doing for Christmas this year, as we said, the, the survey shows there are some changes in 2022. Exactly. So I think the main change we're seeing you know, as a business, we obviously work in the environmental world. So we get lots of people who talk about the progress they're making and changes they're making in various areas of their life. And we did this research because we wanted to check if it was representative across the country. So mm. we thought, what better moment than Christmas to check if behaviours are really, really changing? Because Christmas is obviously such a time of tradition and habit and, and um, working a bit of water. indulgence as well. Lots of indulgence. You're completely right. So um, we conducted the research and we were actually delighted to see that so many people are, of course, still hoping to enjoy their Christmas, share time with loved ones and, and have a lovely time celebrating. But at the same time, they're going to be a bit more mindful and make sure that they're making the right choices in the terms of our, our planet and its future. Yeah. So being you know, a time when we normally eat a lot of meat, there's normally meat in everything. If you look at it at the Christmas table, the only thing that hasn't got it in is mince pies and they sound like they've got it in even so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the, it is a time where we do tend to indulge that way. Better for us if we don't, but a lot better for the planet, too, as uh, obviously you know, if we suddenly step up what we're doing, it's going to have a, a massive drain. Now, obviously, most of that has gone into production already, but the industry knows what we're doing this year, too. And so it's probably eased off, too. Definitely. And I think you see that when you wander around the supermarkets, there are different types of vegetarian options. You know, um, they call them the not turkey crown and the non pigs in blankets and all see it in the other things so there's different presents available you see lots of lists about the most eco-friendly gifts you can buy and reusing wrapping paper and perhaps purchasing recyclable decorations as opposed to other ones um we see lots of people at this time of year planting trees with us so we know that it is behavior across, across lots of consumers not just in the supermarkets but in the gifts that they buy as well Absolutely. And uh, we, we were using a load of gift boxes we bought a few years ago this year rather than using wrapping paper because you buy it once you reuse it no cost then is there Absolutely perfect. It's a really good point, actually. It's a really good way to also keep costs down. So often doing something that might cost a little bit less is also what's better for the planet. So hopefully it can um, achieve both things for people this year. Yeah, and if people are looking at giving a gift, I mean, many of them don't want to think, oh, I'm gone, I've got to go and choose something for so-and-so. A brilliant way of doing it is the range that is available through Treedom and the chance to put out there a tree onto the planet that is in your name or that of a loved one, and you can watch it grow on the internet. Exactly. So trees, as we all know, do what's expected of them in terms of drawing carbon down from the atmosphere, but actually the way that Treedom plants its trees, um, they support the communities that we work with. So we provide education to those people who become the caretakers of the trees the trees will bear fruit that will you know sustain families year in year out so we hope that these aren't just gifts to be gift gifted to loved ones on christmas but actually they'll be giving back to communities across the world as well yeah it, it is a gift for everybody and it does it's a massive bit for the environment is it the boab tree that's the biggest when it comes to drawing in carbon Absolutely. The baobab tree. Yes. A huge amount of carbon because they are truly gigantic. Um, <laughs> we've got lots of those in Madagascar. And um, so they're one of the one of the biggest, best trees you could purchase. Yeah. And if you're going to put trees anywhere, Madagascar is the place to do it, to refuel the planet after the de deforestation has gone up. Yeah, one of many. Exactly. It's, um, I read a stat the other day that 95 percent of all carbon is actually drawn down from tropical climates. So that's where we plant. And, and we know that we can have the best impact to, to make sure trees are growing as fast as possible and helping our planet as quickly as we need. And the trees get nice weather as well, which is also good. <laughs> 
I know, lucky for some. <laughs> so if somebody's looking at, for a different Christmas gift this year and they're already forgoing the turkey, what can they do to forget the plastic and put some carbon back into the right place rather than into the atmosphere? Absolutely. So by purchasing a tree, as I said, not only are you supporting those communities, but you get to watch your tree grow. Although you're doing good, something good for the planet in another part of the world, you're also able to give something to a loved one and show them the tree that could be planted in their name that they can follow. So we're bringing that impact close to home. So just look for Treedom and away you go. Treedom.net and you can shop across our range of species, including the baobab. Yeah, Anna Weston from Treedom. Thank you for joining us. Have a brilliant Christmas and may it contain the food that you're looking for, but also a load of great new trees across the planet. Thank you, Jason. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 705 next week. I'll see you then. Bye for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.